It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Quickly to Wall. Wall measures. Deal. Gets open for three. Yo, what's going on? This is Noah Getzel, host of Locked on Wizards here on Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel. We've got episodes of Locked on Wizards from Dash Radio every Monday, Tuesday, and Friday night at 9 p.m. Eastern, so be sure to tune in for that at dashradio.com. This episode is kind of a hypothetical look of what would happen if the Wizards end up losing and getting bounced in the first round to the Raptors. And we're also going to talk to James Brody, uh, who is my co-star. Well, I wouldn't say I'm the star, but he plays on my rec basketball team. He knows everything under the sun about Philadelphia sports. I talked to him a little bit about what it's like for the Sixers to actually be back in the playoffs after a five-year drought and have their best season since AI led them to the finals and kind of just how the trajectories are changing a little bit. Um, speaking of differing trajectories, there's some really good articles on WashingtonPost.com uh, that you can check out. Jerry Brewer talks about how since 2010, the Wizards and Raptors started as peers, and now the Raptors have just made low-key moves to really push ahead of the Wizards. And, I mean, we'll see how this series turns out, but that was an interesting read. And then Candace Buckner writes about a amount of weight that John Wall has lost since his uh, January, late January surgery, and how even though he had, you know, the best offseason of his life in terms of getting into shape, he said he was actually fat back in September, so he's dropped a lot of weight through dietary changes with him and his chef, so definitely check out that article as well. And we're going to start here tonight with part two of an interview I did with Dan Meltzer, who's a Wizards fan working for the Milwaukee Bucks right now. We jump right into a discussion of, you know, what would happen if the Wizards don't win a playoff series? What would the repercussions be? and whether everything can just fall on the convenient excuse of, oh, John was out for half the season. We didn't play with John Wall. He's our five-time All-Star. So that's why they didn't make the playoffs. So enjoy that. Here is Dan Meltzer. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. 
J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick and roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. There are excuses, though, because the reason that the Wizards faced Toronto is because, you know, their five-time All-Star was out for half the season, which will be the excuse that Ted Leonsis comes up with if the Wizards lose. But, you know, I don't think that's justified because I, I can't, you know, go through every one of these matchups, but... Before the Orlando Magic, it was, you know, the Atlanta Hawks. And before that, it was the Chicago Bulls. And then it was the New York Knicks. There were just so many teams, probably like somewhere in the 15 to 20 range of, you know, if you just win half of those, you would have been what, like a four seed or something? Yeah, it's five seed. So let me ask you this. Would you rather have played Cleveland or Toronto? Did this all work out at the end of the day? Like, I have to truly believe I'd rather play the Raptors than the Cavs in the first round. And that's yeah. where I think it's interesting. Hey, when's like, the when's the last time an eight seed upset a one seed? I think it was like Baron Davis's uh, Warriors, Warriors teams, yeah. against I don't even remember. They were playing. It was like I think the Jazz. Oh yeah, I remember like some some Baron Davis over Andre Karolinko dunk. The next round. Yeah, uh, they lost the gotcha. Jazz in the next round. Okay. So they beat the one seed Dallas. That's Dirk's MVP. So five oh six. That's last time. Funny enough, in hockey, it happens seemingly every year. I mean, the Predators were the eight seed last year, made it all the way to the Cup. But in the NBA, it just doesn't happen much. I think it's four it or five times. Happens in football all the time too. I know the Packers were like the Packers and Steelers were either five or six seeds. They were wild cards when they wild won cards, Super Bowls yeah. in the past. It decade. happens a lot more in the NBA. The talent gap usually is more variance. One, two seeds, and some three seeds always make the uh, finals. Well, here's a little trivia question: Who's the only eight seed to make the NBA Finals? Hmm. That is quite a good trivia question. Should we reveal the answer or make people tune in for another podcast? Ah, you can go ahead and tell them. I'll reveal the answer. It's the 98-99 Knicks oh, wow. uh, lockout year. Patrick Ewing injury. Hmm. Um, Ross, the, everyone stands are really close, but um, played the end of the year without Ewing. Played the playoffs without him. Made all the way to the finals, lost to the Spurs. Go back to those box scores. They're like 81-77 games. Really tough basketball to watch. This is right after Jordan obviously retired and the NBA went through a lockout. So yeah. not predicting the Wizards in the finals by any means. But I have to just feel like matchup-wise, you take the standings out. This is a good matchup for the Wizards. We've beaten the Raptors before. The Raptors are the same. Raptors, yeah. roster-wise, are still relying on the same people. Schematically, they are different. They shoot a lot more threes. A lot less iso ball. Have good movement. Defensively, they're significantly better than the Wizards, but I'll take John Wall and Bradley Beal over Lowry and DeRozan. So. Yeah, my thing with the Wizards is that everything is just kind of expected. Like, I mean, like I wouldn't be surprised no matter what happens if the Wizards got to the Eastern Conference Finals against Cleveland. I would think, okay, yeah, this is how it was supposed to be the past three seasons. You know, like it wouldn't surprise not me whatsoever. This year, no. <laughs> we play Cleveland in the second round this year if we do win. So. Okay. Well, that was another, I guess. Well, that's good to know that I haven't really studied the the standings up. But anyways, if the Wizards were to face, I don't even know who it would be in the Eastern Conference Finals. Probably be Philadelphia. Philly or Boston or Milwaukee. Yeah. Um. But I mean, that wouldn't surprise me if the Wizards made it. It's a highly unlikely route. But if the Wizards made the Eastern Conference Finals, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they got swept by Toronto. That would be just as expected in my mind. Perhaps more expected, given how the Wizards 
have played. But I, I just think when you look at Ernie Grunfeld having been with the team since 2003, how short is his leash right now? Um, and has the highlight of his tenure with the Wizards just been the 49 wins last year when they got to Game 7 of the second round? Yeah, I think the Wizards are that classic. There's a wall that they have to get over. Yeah, I mean, Ernie's put a lot of chips in a couple of players that are highly unmovable. Yeah. Or, I mean, we couldn't really imagine what, like, a John Wall trade package, especially on this new extension, or Otto or Bradley Beal. Like, we've tied everything to those players. Um, I would not I've thought be Ernie opposed. would go before, but... This is not the best time to bring it up because playoffs are about to start, but if the Wizards were to ship Otto Porter and Kelly Oubre to, say, San Antonio for Kawhi Leonard and, I don't know, something else to make the contract work. Who says no to that deal? Uh, the Spurs. If I'm the Spurs, <laughs> we're just talking about if they are going to trade Kawhi, I want a top-five pick. Yeah, trade him with Boston, for sure. player right now. Like, Oubre, very good. But, yeah, if it's Boston, it's like, all right, you're giving us Jalen Brown and that Kings pick next year if it's, you know... I can't even think of like who has the best package for Kawhi Leonard, but that's a whole that's something to talk about for the summer. Maybe he'll come back for all we know, doubtful. But I think this Wizards team, you're right, conversation is better had after the playoffs. But it's it's tough to imagine a huge roster shakeup. Just because of the amount just, of money guaranteed. Like how do you trade Yamahimi? You don't. Like, yeah. You have to attach your first round pick and send him to a team that doesn't want cap space for the next two years. Maybe like in Atlanta or someone. Um, just keep in mind to send out Jamal Crawford to Atlanta waived on a one-year deal. They had to give up a first. The Clippers did. So, yeah, I mean, he might cost more. Uh, his contract obviously holds back. Gortat has one year left. Markeith won. Not the biggest concerns, but again, you're going to have to extend Ubre soon. They're going to, as we get back to having like the fourth highest payroll, it's not, there's not relief in sight without massive, massive overhaul that. I think also Wizard fans want to see what this team can do when fully healthy. Mm-hmm. And no doubt. maybe that is what the next team needs to do. It's not training a big player. It's how do we make the rest of the roster complement them better. And like a lot of teams in that summer of 16, we wasted a lot of cap space on Yamahimi. Jason Smith will come off. It's not a big deal anymore. But those are guys you're paying $20, 21000000 million a year to combined for little to absolutely no production. Yeah, and Jan Mahimni just won Sports Illustrated's uh, most generous award in the NBA, which means he commits the most turnovers, even though he like never has the ball in his hands, just because he's got some, you know, hands he has and steel. The highest turnover rate? That's cool. No, I mean I don't know if he actually has the highest turnover rate, but he just won Sports Illustrated's award for you know most generous player in the NBA in terms of his giving up the ball. So I don't know. Sure, it wasn't like a charity award. Maybe he does a lot of good in the community, but no, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I read the description. Don't worry, I didn't. I might have, you know, misread whether the Wizards could face Cleveland in the conference finals, but this one, but I got not it right. A lot. So, listen, I have been all over this idea that makes absolutely no, no sense. The Wizards have an open roster spot, and if you can't like, I don't think a roster spot would make any sense for this retired player, but. Can the Wizards please bring back Paul Pierce as like their hype man or like some sort of role for this playoff series against the, the Raptors? Yeah, because he's the uh, ESPN job in LA. Yeah, I guess that is much better. <laughs> I mean, higher paying LA just on TV. I mean, I, I do see what you're saying though. Like, who's that veteran voice on this Wizards team? We have old players. Don't get me wrong. Like 
Gortat's played ten plus years. John Wall's played enough time. Ramon Sessions is a vet, but I don't know how how well respected, how Vocal much his voice. Yeah, he just yeah, no rejoined clue. the team, you know. Yeah, and he's one of those guys that like honestly just you don't if he's in a playoff game, something went wrong. Yeah, for sure. And then some of the other veterans like Jason Smith is incredibly well respected, but he doesn't seem like the type of dude who's going to motivate guys to go out and kick the Raptors' ass. You know, it's it's not that situation. Jody Meeks is soft spoken. He's had a disappointing career or disappointing year, I guess, career as well. So yeah, there is no inspirational veteran leader. Even a guy like Allen Anderson, or I don't know, it's it's just not. That's that's been the issue with the Wizards all season. They just have struggled with immaturity and inability yeah. to m- mentally focus. So, if there was anyone who's you know not necessarily like a a good player at this stage in his career, but someone who could just be a motivational factor, what's Sam Cassell doing these days? Could He's they bring him coach. back? He's still with uh, the Clippers, I believe. Mm. He would be a good guy to have right now <laughs> if you're the Wizards. Yeah, I mean, he was. I liked him as an assistant coach. At the end of the day. I, I, the players just need to do it for themselves. Like, of course. No excuse. It's the playoffs. I don't really subscribe to the idea that there's like the switch you can just turn on and the Wizards, all their ills are going to be forgotten. Like, in no way is that true. Well, but there's the part of me that thinks John Wall's back, seemingly healthy, looked really good against the Celtics. If he's playing 80, 90% of his ability, Bradley Beal's been really good in his career in the playoffs. Otto Porter, same thing last year. I'll take those guys. Like, we saw that they almost got to the conference finals last year. This Toronto team, 59 wins, best in the East, but there's almost that assumption that it's the same old Raptors, you know. Yeah. Fool me once, fool me twice. and it's, it, It'll be an interesting series. And, you know, game one on a weekend, you know, you come back early week two. Like, every Wizards fan just wants to see the split. So when we come home, you know, we can take that 3-1 lead with home court. Uh, it'll, be, it'll be a fun series, I think. It's, it's a closer matchup than a typical 1-8. Mm-hmm. And historically, the Wizards, I mean, I think they can kind of be the team to flip the switch because there's no more sleepwalking through matchups. It's, you know, just seven-game series. You just have to win four times. So maybe they will take games off if they're up 2 nothing, 3 nothing, something like that. But I was wondering what you think the uh, Capital One Arena attendance is going to be like because throughout the season, throughout, like, the past decade, their attendance has been among one of the worst bottom five in terms of uh, capacity filling the stadium. And I know people have to work in DC and it's tough to get around the beltway, but do you think there is going to be much more energy in the arena to, to help? Of course you said the, the players it's, it's all on the players and it doesn't matter if there's yeah. a, a fan in, in the stands, but do you think the the environment's going to change a lot um, in terms of actually filling the stadium for games three and four? Sure. Um, only been to one game in Capital One this year, so Saturday game back around Thanksgiving against Portland, a huge blown okay. loss. Um, typically, I feel like during playoff games, it's pretty loud, looks pretty full. One thing I'm happy with, they're not playing a team where you're going to see like Homer fans like, oh man, can you imagine? Well, obviously LeBron and the Cavs, but if we played the Sixers, yeah, because driving distance, then you're going to get a thousand Sixers fans. More. Can't you trust <laughs> the process. And that's, that's the worst case scenario. So Toronto, not a team that has a lot of fans outside of Canada. Right. Kind of close, I guess. You will see AAA courtside seats, baseline, a big fan who has always there in the playoffs. I love him, but it it should be a solid home court. I think over the last three playoff appearances of John Wall era, they've probably won more games at home than they've lost. I don't have that right in front of me, but yeah. I feel like they've been yeah. a, a better home team. Yeah, definitely last year that was the case. Yeah, I feel like they've been a better home team. 
Um, Toronto is a tough environment, though. Like, oh, yeah. The Raptors fans bring it. It's one of the larger arenas in the uh, NBA. So Jurassic Park, no doubt. And they do something really cool that I don't think any team in the U.S. does. Like During their away games, they still bring all of the fans in to watch on the Jumbotron. Do you know of any other teams? Because I know the, Cap- the Wizards don't. Allow- the Wizards are like, nah, we don't have the budget for that. Sorry, guys. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So some teams, like I know in the finals, the Cats have brought their fans in. Yeah. Warriors, same thing. The Raptors had that large outdoor like plaza, which is really cool. That, mm-hmm. You know that Jurassic Park that you talked about. You're seeing that with a lot of teams as they build like entertainment districts. The Bucks are going to do that as well, where they can have you know thousands of people outside watching a game. On big screens. I was just down in uh, Detroit. Right. They've got that built. If they ever have a time to use it for the Pistons and the Red Wings. Um, so that's kind of the growing trend. But Toronto's, Toronto's a great big home court advantage to the Raptors. Um, if you're going to ask me who's got a better home crowd, it's going to be the Raptors over the Wizards. Of course. But I think what's important here is not having your arena taken over by opponents and fans. Anytime you play like the Cavs, you have the Homer LeBron fans. And then as we talked about, the Sixers would be a uh, would be a nightmare. Yeah, the only geographically close matchup we have is Cleveland versus uh, Indiana in, in these Eastern Conference uh, playoffs. And one more question for you before I let you go, finally. It's 12.40 a.m. Eastern time right now. Uh, which team is playing the best basketball now entering the playoffs? Would you say it's Philadelphia, or is there someone else 100%. who you think is just cruising? Yeah, Philly, 100%. Not the Jazz. Not like the the Blazers. Not no one's playing to the Sixers. The Sixers are. Yeah. I mean, the Sixers literally over the sixteen game win streak have gone from a middle of the pack team to I believe fourth in net differential. Like all their advanced metrics show, they're a top five team in the NBA now. Um, and then what's really impressive is early in the season when Embiid wasn't on the court, they suffered heavily, like through January, and then everything turned. And then now that they played without Embiid these last you know two three weeks. Kept the winning streak alive, blowing people out. They beat the Bucks by 30-plus tonight. Um, they have leaps and bounds proven that they're ready for the playoffs. And people say, oh, they don't have experience. Okay, so Simmons and Embiid don't have playoff experience. You have J.J. Redick, who's made it every year of his 10-year career. Um, Sally so has made it a bunch. Bellinelli's made it a bunch with the Hawks and the Spurs in the past. You've got guys who have played. Mir Johnson, obviously, with the Raptors. Um, those guys do have experience. And I don't like, experience is great and all, but it's still basketball, and your best players are out on the court. They've got to be feeling good. They will miss the Cavs until the conference finals. Talk to any Sixers fan. Their expectation 100% is to be in the conference finals. Now we got some good buddies over there who are big Sixers fans. Mm-hmm. Um, Guess how many playoff They're opponents. talking about making the finals. Let's just be honest. Like, that's all where right. their heads are at now. <laughs> Guess how many playoff opponents uh, the Sixers have beaten in their past 16 games that during that 16-game winning streak. I know Cleveland's in there. Mm-hmm. Um, Milwaukee's obviously in there. Miami might be. So it nope. might be. Uh, just three. They're including the West as well. Yeah, so it was just Minnesota, uh, Cleveland, and Milwaukee. They beat yeah. the Nuggets, too, which is you know close to playoffs. But, yeah, that was it. Yeah, I mean... Sure, if they'd gone through being the Rockets and the Warriors, that'd be a whole other thing. But you, gotta, you only get to play who's in front of you on the schedule. And I don't think anyone, especially their first-round matchup, like the Heat are closer to the bottom or the middle of the pack than they are at the top. Like If the Sixers go out and sweep the Heat, they're running a 20-game win streak into the second round. You know, the story's going to stay the same, but also everyone's going to be like, they're ready to, to go. So I guess wrap this up, I... Sam, I am on the bandwagon. I do think Philly will end up playing Cleveland in the conference finals. 
um, Cleveland coming out. But, you know, let's first worry about the first round. Let's get the Wizards uh, past Toronto. Yeah, seven-game series. bit optimistic, but I like it. Dan, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for coming back to Locked On Wizards. I don't know why you keep making the same mistake over and over, but I'm glad that you're here to join us, and I appreciate um, all of your insight and predictions. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, now you're going to hear from James Lee Brody. He's a huge Sixers fan. We don't often hear the Philadelphia Sixers perspective of things, so you're going to hear about what it's like having a team that'll be competitive for once in Philadelphia after historic season that they're having best finish for the Sixers in 17 years since 2001-2002 as furious things have been for Washington sports and as much as you know the DC sports base is going to hate this Philadelphia has been pretty hot recently with you know the Eagles winning the Super Bowl Villanova winning the championship and now the Flyers are in the playoffs and and the Sixers number three seed so here is James Brody, live from Crisp Kitchen and Bar, um, one of my favorite spots to watch games and just hang out in D.C., Bloomingdale neighborhood. I used to live right there. Anyway, he's a bartender. He knows all about the Sixers, uh, so definitely come hang out at Crisp and watch a game sometime with Brody. Yo, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to Dash Radio's Nothing But Net podcast. Uh, this is Locked on Wizards here. And uh, I'm your host, Noah Getzel. We are here with James Lee Brody, who is not on Twitter, so you can't follow him there, but he is a diehard Sixers fan. So you just won the Super Bowl, and then you won the national championship with Villanova. How's it feel going into the playoffs being number three seed? I feel like it is a phenomenal time because this is better first off than I thought any projection-wise for the end of the season. And now that we're third, I think we're the better better team in that that one through four. Mm. So we have a better chance of making a push towards the finals. So you're saying you're better than the Raptors, better than Celtics, and better than the Cavaliers? Definitely better than the uh, Celtics. And the way the Cavs are playing right now, I don't think their chemistry is going to uh, tune in the same way as we're we're rolling right now, even without MB. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the Raptors would be the X factor that I think they're playing phenomenal all the way around, coaching to the players. What do you think of that black mask that Embiid's gonna wear when he comes back? I I've never seen anything like that. It's usually clear when you have like a facial fracture. Right? I, I, I feel like he's capitalizing off of uh, the villain the black aspect. Panther, and then okay. he's like the killmonger of basketball right now and trying to bring back glory to, you know, a lost, yeah. lost cause what we were deemed as a Philly fan. You're like, oh, y'all never win. So he's like taking the moniker and being the guy who's gonna 
stand for us and everybody else is going to hate us. So there's the best. Would you say that among the players in the Eastern Conference after after LeBron, is Embiid the most unguardable or the best, like... I mean, he, he's, you know, he's a dual package to his game. Not only is he unstoppable in the post, but he can shut down just about any big man as well. Yeah. Do you think among all the players in the Eastern Conference, would you say it's like, I guess the guys in the playoff, would you say it's the pecking order right now might be like LeBron, then Giannis, then Embiid is third best in, in that conference? It's funny that you put Giannis in there. I don't even know. Really? He, I, don't, I don't see him up there. I mean, yeah, he's a phenomenal player, but I just don't see him doing the same level of excellence and... Just because his team's struggling? Well, his team's struggling and he's still unproven, still like an injury thing. He's like Embiid before this season, you know? And he's still got those little little, little marks against him. So I don't know if I put him up there, but I still think like, yeah, definitely as far as dominance and because of Kyrie's injury, of course. You yeah. got to count him out. Yeah. So, I mean, like, I, I definitely would, would put mm-hmm. in the moving towards that realm, not I, quite in there yet. I've got to I've gotta say that the Sixers dodged a bullet because the Wizards couldn't capitalize. And then the Heat, um, I guess the, the Wizards would have been seventh if they, they beat um, Orlando tonight. But yeah. the Heat, you know, pulled through an overtime against the Raptors. So, are you are you happy is this the best case scenario that turned out or would you have rather played uh, the Milwaukee Bucks to start the playoffs Milwaukee's scary really so I feel like because their length and their defense they, yeah, they are just uh, just a, a hard team to match up against and uh, you don't you don't know how to guard them and you don't know how they're going to guard you so it creates a whole bunch of mismatches throughout that whole course whereas I think there's more familiarity with the Heat and the Wizards and playing those matchups and coaching against them. But when you have people like Giannis, what are you going to do against that guy? He's phenomenal. Ben Simmons will guard him. Robert Covington, probably. I get it, but then you're still tiring him out for yeah. offense. You know what I mean? So there, you, 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 you gain something to lose something in those matchups. Whereas I think we can roll a little bit better and have better team chemistry and a better result if we play the other two teams. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So you've got the Heat, and you can't just count them. You know, they slid into the, the number. It looked like they were kind of on the outside looking in or, like, right at that number yeah. eight spot, moved up to number six. Um, I was wondering, so what, just to reintroduce you again, where did you grow up in Philadelphia, and how long have you been a fan of the team? Uh, South Philly, literally where the stadium, the Eagles Stadium is okay. right now. Um, and uh, funny, I... Growing up, I was always an Eagles fan, but then I always lived in like uh, I lived in places like New York uh, with my with my family for a little bit, and then uh, grew up uh, like my later years in Virginia and stuff like that. So I was always a fan of like New York sports teams and uh, Washington sports teams, but I always knew where I lied when it came down to it, which was mm-hmm. always Eagles and. Sixers, and yeah. Flyers, and everything like that. But I always admired those those teams coming up. But I think I was turned off because we were going through such dismal play for, for sure. such a long time, late '80s, 
that one trip to the finals is the only thing the Sixers had when yeah. they faced the Lakers. And that team was garbage outside Iverson, too. I guess they made the playoffs maybe a couple times with Iguodala. Yeah. I don't know who else was even But, yeah, squads, it was, like, but. once or twice. And then, like, I think the 2012, I think, was the last time that we had a chance. Mm-hmm. But they were just missing a whole bunch of things. And we just had, like, Iguodala and stuff like that. Yeah. But this is, like, the first time... 15 Since, straight wins, right? Yeah. 15 or is it 16, 16 now? 16, I, okay. I think it's 16. Yeah, you're but, right. But this is the first time since Iverson that I felt like, oh, okay, we have a complete squad and we have stars and we have uh, great coaching all combined. What's, what's the biggest weakness then for the Sixers entering the playoffs? Just injuries, inexperience? In, injuries and in, inexperience yeah. always are going to be a difficult thing to battle because you can't do anything about those. But you uh, said depth might be one of your, you know, subtle... Surprise factors that'll catch teams off guard when it comes to you know that period in like the the end of the third, start of the fourth quarter type yeah. of situations. Yeah, we'll have to be able to match up better against their bench, and I think that'll help us. But if we play somebody who has a lot of depth and, and, and like size, the heat, <laughs> yeah, and size, then that might pose a, a, a problem. But I, I feel like. If we if we run and gun and can do our pace, we'll still be good regardless. Not too many teams will still be able to match mm-hmm. up if we keep playing at the 16-game win streak. Yeah. And I'm sure you saw Donovan Mitchell's outfit entering the game uh, last night when the the uh, when the Jazz beat the Warriors big. Yeah. Uh, do you feel like it's fair for a player who you know has been with the team? For a full year without playing, to still win Rookie of the Year the next team, the next season, even if he had the playbook and was practiced with the team the entire time, do you I think mean, Simmons is deserving, or does Mitchell kind of get the tip of the hat because he's kind of leading his team a bit more? Whereas, I mean, uh, they both have the dominant big man defensively. It's kind of like a, a similar situation where the expectations are pretty low. I get it, but it's just like yo, know, you have a guy who's a great player, great person, awesome. Uh, ability on and on and off the court, uh, you got to go with what's the hot hand. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And yes, well, they're both the hot hand. They're both the hot hand, but I would take Simmons over him because he has so much more upside and yeah. more potential. rebounding assists. Yeah, he does a, a complete package to help his game out, and uh, we would. We would definitely be lost without him, and I know their team would probably struggle without them. But I, without Ben Simmons, you can't you can't have that team. Mm-hmm. Without that other player, Donovan you Mitchell, can still, you can still go. you can still play. No, they would not make playoffs they without Donovan Mitchell. They, neither one would make the playoffs, but yeah. uh, you would still you would expect that of that team. Yeah, and uh, I, I think even though Embiid is your best player, the team will only go as far as Simmons can, can take uh, you know, the rest of the squad because yeah. he's the facilitator. He's the spark in transition. Yeah, without Embiid, still nothing. So, bro, do you like the, the Wizards' chances against the Raptors? No, they're going to get swept first round. Swept? <laughs> swept. They might win one game. What if the Wizards re-sign Paul Pierce? Whole different contest. Because the last talking about? <laughs> what? Assistant I'm just, coach? <laughs> yeah, just some motivation. Because the yeah. last time the Wizards faced the Raptors in the playoffs was 2014, 2015. Yeah, and Wizards Paul swept. Was on yeah. Right? yeah. He was averaging like 15 points a game. They should have never when got he was rid of him. Ancient. They should have never got rid of him. Well, he, he, he chose like to go to the Clippers. Yeah. End his career with Money. his home squad. Yeah. And I wouldn't want to play for that organization at the time anyway. 
was kind of like in disarray also when he left, and I think that's we saw that. You don't think the remnants of that playoff series are, are still intact? I mean, the, the Wizards know the last time they faced off in the playoffs, they swept the, essentially the same Raptors team. DC Sports, same story, different year. Get there, maybe do something in the first round, maybe not, but you're not going any further than that. Who loses their job if the Wizards don't beat the Raptors? Or is is it just going to be like, oh, well, John Wall was injured half no. the year, so, you know, everyone will we'll re-up next year and maybe, see what happens. I think maybe some coaching changes and uh, definitely... Scott Brooks, you think, will get, or get the Or and all those guys gone. Yeah. They're big men. are horrible. They Very true. They don't have and, any and they're guaranteed like $15 million a piece. Yeah, like why would you want that on there and then just drag your whole organization down and not be able to pick up people? For sure. Well, Brody, it's been a pleasure. Sorry that people can't follow you on Instagram, but if you guys want to tune in and watch our rec basketball games, Brody is kind of like the, the Shaquille O'Neal down there. I'm, <laughs> I'm like that bench warmer who throws him the towel when he comes out of the game for one minute a game because he never fucking come out. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's always fun, though. Yeah, hey, we, we're always winning, even when we're not. All right, thank you, Brody. <laughs> Take it easy, man. Yep. Thanks, everyone, for listening to Locked on Wizards. Be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast tomorrow night for some post-game analysis. Hopefully the series will be all knotted up at one-to-one, but we shall see. So tune in tomorrow. Thanks so much for listening. And that's all the time we have here on Locked on Wizards. Peace. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked on podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.